Hi, and welcome. I'm Jim Fries, and this is The Conversation, a podcast airing viewpoints on the impact of artificial intelligence on business and society. On today's episode, I'm joined by Allison Darcy, founder and president of the mental health care app, Wobot Health. Through a combination of AI and digital therapeutics, Allison and her team have built a relational app called Wobot that engages with patients via chat to provide real-time support, adapting to patients' emotional responses, and delivering the right intervention at the right time. Wobot exchanges approximately 4.7 million messages with people every week, more than twice as many as it did a year ago, and now is used in more than 130 countries around the world. In our conversation, Allison will unpack the science and technology behind Wobot and shares how the service is making mental health care radically accessible for those in need during the pandemic and beyond. Allison, welcome to the conversation. Thank you very much. We're thrilled to have you here. So to start, we want to talk a little bit about your impressive career translating uh, in-person therapeutic models to, to technology platforms, which you know, has been grounded in both scientific research and, and technology development. Can you walk us through your background and what, what led you to found Wobot Health? Sure. I think when I look back, there have been several key things that have given this perspective, I think, that led to Wobot in the end. But, you know, I, I did an undergraduate in psychology, but I also volunteered on some help lines at the time and, you know, did sort of the Samaritans training. Samaritans are are a really great service for people who are in crisis over here in Ireland. But I also grew up in a home where my my father had been through AA. And so there was a kind of a sponsorship dynamic, if you like. He he was very successful there. But both my mum and dad were always very much there for people you know, in their in their great need, uh, no matter what time or day or night. And I just remember that sort of stance that they had as, you know, being a child. And I think I reflect on that now um, as being fairly formative in, in sort of what it means to be really there for somebody in a moment of crisis. But with one of the helplines that I worked for, a great charitable organization, a support organization that's government funded here in Ireland uh, called Bodywise, I was talking with one of the my friends who co-founded it and we were discussing sort of their support group model and how it was really hard and resource intensive to provide in-person support groups for people. And yet they were a really important service. So we started toying around the idea of, you know, maybe you could make them online. And um, that was the first service that I quote unquote digitized and went through the thinking there of, you know, how do you take something that's, you know, helpful in person and translate it to a digital setting, both solving some of the problems of the in-person space, like, you know, having to be somewhere at a certain time, um, stigma, all of those things. But also, how could you leverage the technology itself to create a better experience in some ways? And that led me down a path. And then I did a PhD in an inpatient psychiatric setting. And there there I really learned we really need to have better services at the preventative early intervention side. I mean, that was the biggest take home for me. Went over to Stanford, did a postdoc there. Those years were really about, I, oh, I just, just, just learned to be a great scientist. I mean, that, that was such an incredible period in my scientific career. And we were doing great, you know, treatment development work and evaluating them in NIH funded trials and what have you. But of course, always could not shake this idea that it doesn't matter how beautiful these 
treatments are if most people will never be able to access them. And so for me, the, the problem of access was growing and growing. And I saw technology as being part of that, that solution. And mostly my work brought me towards computational psychiatry. And I became really intrigued by what big data could bring to the table. And of course, at that point, we'd cycled through many different technologies, you know, the internet and then, and then mobile and then, you know, big data. And all of those, of course, were bringing a, a new perspective and a new potential capacity on the to the table but I think it wasn't until I made a prototype of a robot that I realized this was the technology that could really solve what was a human problem fundamentally not a technology problem so there are some of the key things I think that led me to found the company effectively um, once we had made Wobot and I could see how people were reacting to it really differently and it became this very natural way to deliver or get some of these great tools that we have from the clinic into people's hands in a, in a meaningful way. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I believe you founded Wobot in, in 2017. And, you know, kind of at that time, leveraging artificial intelligence and mental health care was a fairly novel concept in any, any kind of healthcare. And you've already touched on some of the concepts of it, the importance of big data and how you could apply that. I'm curious as to what opportunity at that time did you say, okay, now's the time to actually create uh, Wobot? You know, what, what was it about it that, that said, it's time to leverage AI in this space. Well, again, I was trying to solve this problem of access and scale and access really broadly defined, not just the fact that you have technology with you the whole time, but but access in terms of being emotionally accessible, um, intellectually accessible, um, accessible for all kinds of people. Like this has been really so far absent from both our clinics and to some extent, you know, the design of technology itself as well. And what I what I noticed with Wobot was that, well, you know, it turns out we know this for a long time that when you're upset, it it really helps to talk about it and to you know to share what you're experiencing in natural language, and so it was part of that. It was the interface, and then the other piece, of course, is that um, when you're engaging people in a much more naturalistic way. Um, you're actually engaging people and and that solves another major issue um with which is you know with this technology and all of the behavioral health technology that i think had come before was really challenged by this engagement problem um only the most motivated people would quote unquote stick with the programs um and whereas something that was conversational something that paid attention to how people were in any given moment you know including very very upset and could respond appropriately, you know, make it simple for people to to really engage in a therapeutic technique at that moment when they need it most. Well, now you have a, a really different starting place and one in which I think that could fulfill the promise of, as you said, sort of data-driven innovation. And because I think the other big piece of this is how are we going to further the field itself? Like, you know, we have great psychological approaches and psychotherapeutic approaches, but we also are very early as a field. And if we're going to progress the field, what we probably need to do is address individuals a little bit better, really understand for whom, what works and under what circumstances. And that is the potential of platforms like Wobot. Can you explain how Wobot works today and who it's designed for? And it sounds like based on what you just said too, it's constantly evolving. Absolutely. By definition, it's constantly evolving. So it's just a conversation really, but Wobot is, is actually a character effectively, a sort of an archetype 
full, almost retro robot character that invites people to check in with themselves once a day. So, so there's a sort of a mood tracking element and then also offers guidance through some of the best evidence-based tools that we have um, if people are feeling upset or a bit down. And if people are feeling well, then Wobot can use that opportunity to sort of teach a construct from a, you know, a, a core curriculum of psychoeducational constructs. So this is really digitized cognitive behavioral therapy. That is the primary approach that Wobot takes, although there are elements from different approaches as well. Um, but I think the experience from a, a regular person, I'm going to say user, it's such a funny phrase, but um, it's just a conversation with an entity that sort of gets to know you over time and checks in with you and then just offers like really good help when, if, and when you need it. Yeah. You know, what's really interesting is I, the language you're using, some of it, I've just written some of it down is so similar to, we use artificial intelligence to develop intelligent virtual assistants, which are used by large enterprises as you know the front door to their customer service operation. So you talk about Wobot as a character. We talk with our customers about developing a persona that is consistent with their brand. You talk about conversation in the space we operate in. It's conversational AI because it's truly a conversation and I love that you talk about engagement because we do the exact same thing. In our space, the legacy technology deflects customers. Who wants to be deflected? Right. Customers want right. to engage. So it's so interesting to hear that same terminology applied in a, in a mental health way. Look, absolutely. It, it's about uh, leaning into and addressing people as humans because I, absolutely, I, I just don't understand why we would not want to build technology uh, to be uh, to interface with us in a much more natural way, a way in which we're, we're used to. And it turns out, you know, when you're talking about problems, you don't swipe and click through problems. You, you know, you talk about them. And and actually, you know, when you're really upset, you don't actually have the cognitive capacity to to, to engage in things that are, you know, very abstract or, uh, you know, try and solve complex visual problems or, or frankly, you know, try and figure out how to use your phone. This is just about tapping into the way we are as humans. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that, that's exactly right. I love the language. So what's interesting, and this is, I guess, isn't surprising, you know, Wobot actually engages with twice as many people as it did just a year ago. And I suspect that's in part due to the rising need for, for mental health care during the pandemic, you know, to meet the moment, you added coronavirus support, something called Perspectives, which uh, leverages interpersonal psychotherapy to help people process loss and role transition. Can you share a little bit about how this surface worked and how it helped address the unique stress of this past year? Absolutely. Yeah, my pleasure. So we launched Perspectives on March 17th, 2020. And it was amidst, I mean, I remember the, that moment very clearly because while all of us were packing up our offices and and preparing to work from home, you know, it was very unusual, obviously, but from the perspective of something that was shared globally and almost like the emotional temperature was something that everyone in the world in every region was going through at, at the same time. And we started looking at the kinds of things that people were were saying and sharing with Wobot. The anxieties were were so similar, it was striking. I mean, down to the trauma caused by the first time people saw, you know, lines outside the grocery market. You know, the things that we took for granted were suddenly at risk. And there was this sense of this just like impending fear and anxiety, I mean, it, which of course we understood we were going through it at the same time. So when we published um, Perspectives, the reaction was just so great, but I think it was some of the best 
content that our clinical writers have ever come through because of course it was a way for us to deal with our own anxiety as well right to be able to funnel it into something that was genuinely providing people with you know the ability to sort of get grounded um was just was just such a unique perspective for us but yeah we 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 decided we didn't want to kind of lean into how awful things were we thought that what what people needed was a little bit of perspective and just to kind of feel your feet on the ground a bit and and you know to really feel the and the, the shared aspect of this. Um, so so that's what we leaned into. And there were incredible things there, you know, with Leonard Cohen quotes and people. I mean, I was I, I shared a, an analogy from my own parents who who were children during World War Two and who describe, you know, the seeing sort of German bombers flying overhead and having to black out their windows at night in case they were bombed accidentally because they were in Ireland, which which was a, a neutral country during World War II. And just, you know, when you think about that, wow, the things that people have gone through before, this is just another one of those. And we will get through this as as dramatic and as awful as it is. That's what people, I think, needed to hear. And I think the, the response was well received. I'm sure it was. So one area that you've done some research on is gauging consumer comfort with artificial intelligence. You know, we've talked a lot about that concept on many different episodes uh, on this podcast. You recently published a study which found that Wobot is capable of forming bonds with users comparable to human delivered care. Can you share a little bit more about, you know, kind of the findings and what they imply for the broader mental health space? Absolutely. What we did was we administered a validated questionnaire called the Working Alliance Inventory. And we asked people to fill out the measure on Wobot within the first three to five days of after their first kind of conversation with Wobot. And we plotted the scores against other scores from other published studies across human delivered therapeutic modalities. So things like outpatient care, inpatient sessions, group-based CPT, mostly in the realm of therapists uh, helping with anxiety and depression, and, and all of them were cognitive behavioral therapy like Wobot. And what we found was really interesting. We found three major things. The first was that Wobot was definitely scoring in the human range. So the scores that uh, users gave Wobot were indistinguishable from those of the human delivered therapeutic modalities. Wow. But this, the second piece was really interesting was that, again, that Wobot was actually getting those kinds of scores. So achieving that kind of bond within three to five days of an initial conversation, which was much earlier than the comparison studies, which all kind of start within two to six weeks, which makes sense because you've only seen your therapist right twice in two weeks. Whereas of course it just shows when you're, you know, when you're talking to a robot, when it's with you all the time on your phone, you can develop that rapport much faster. And then the third piece was just as that when we added uh, scores from another cohort, which was a Wobot for substance use disorder, we found um, that at eight weeks, the scores are almost identical. So it's not something that it's a parlor trick that erodes over time or anything. This is this is kind of the rapport that's established and it is kept over time. That's amazing. That's really amazing. One final question. Uh, wh- where do you see room for development in, in your industry? You know, wh- What do you think is possible with AI in the mental health care space in the next five or maybe even 10 years? Well, I think following on from, you know, the bond studies, I think what's what's interesting is that we were not surprised necessarily that Wobot was able to achieve those bond scores. But I think what is 
clear from it is that there are very specific design decisions that lead to that level of like trust and the, the sense of sort of mutual respect and what have you. And I think that's going to be a key piece of developing this technology further as we go in the next few years. But I think, again, the real potential is developing applications and digital therapeutics that are meaningfully targeted at uh, what a person is going through and what they respond to naturally. Um, so this, of course, is the this is we're seeing this in precision medicine already, but it hasn't quite hit um, psychotherapy or, or, or psychiatry um, in a larger sense yet. And I think that's that's the that's the real potential of this technology. That's where this can go. I think robots <laughs> can get a lot better at English. Right? They can uh, natural language processing is developing and making leaps and bounds at the moment. But of course, you have to couple that with delivering just really really good care. Hopefully, we can keep some people out of the clinic, like those people who can make use of tools like Wobot. The idea is, can you reach those people earlier, get them well earlier, and so that the human therapists remain for, for people who, who really can get value out of, out of seeing a person and who really need to see a, a human therapist. That's terrific. Well, thank you very much. This has been fascinating. Yeah, really appreciate you taking the time to walk us through the research and the sophisticated technology behind Wobot. You know, after such a tumultuous year, it's fantastic to see how AI can help people access mental health care from wherever, whenever. Thank you very much for your role in this too. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's all for this episode and this season of The Conversation. A big thank you to all of our fascinating guests and to all of you listeners for tuning in. We hope you'll join us again in season five. This episode of The Conversation podcast was produced by Interactions, a Boston area conversational AI company. I'm Jim Free signing off and we'll see you next season.